Welcome back to Unarmored Talk Podcast. Thank you for supporting and listening to this amazing podcast. And don't forget, you can also watch this episode or previous episodes on my YouTube channel at Sergeant Major Mario P. Fields dash YouTube. Let's get ready to meet and listen to another guest who is willing to have discussions and remove their armor to help other people develop a accurate way of thinking. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Unarmored Talk Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks. You guys know I post a, an episode every two weeks. And before we get into the next topic with this amazing guest, don't forget to subscribe on a YouTube channel or leave a rating review on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever is your favorite platform. I cannot get better unless you guys let me know what's going down. And you guys saw in the beginning, and if you didn't see it, you, I'm going to tell you, Robert Miriam. They're not just sponsors. I've been taking them, you know, sell centrals for about a month and a half. I feel great. So people go, what's the secret? You look good, Mario. I'm like, take care of my, and Dave and I just talked about this, but take care of myself. And I take a holistic approach and thank goodness to Robert and Miriam Norris at takechargeyourhealth.usana.com. They've been helping me out, me and my wife, my wife and I, if, we, if you will. You want to learn more, go to host at unarmoredtalk.com. Uh, Email me there. We can talk offline or you can go to takechargeyourhealth.usana.com. Learn more. Enough about that. Welcome back, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, um, an amazing guest who's willing to remove his armor to help others. Dave Roberts. He's a professor. He's an author and many, many more things. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Mario, thank you for having me as a guest. It's an honor to be here. I am excited, um, and I'm just ready to go. I'm ready to let down, to take off my armor, and just let it out. Yeah, Put it all out on the table. Let's let's take it off. And like you and I were talking about the pre-show, Dave, I can't, I cannot wait to get that coffee mug to you. So now we can we can have cups of coffee and cups of conversation without armor. Thanks to Nicole Fields, my lovely bride who made us an, a, a, an amazing new logo. So Dave, thank you so much, my friend. Well, you're quite welcome, Mario. I'm just, like I said, I'm just happy to be here. No, thank you. So can you tell the listeners and viewers just a little bit about yourself, Dave? Yes, I can. Um, for I, for 20, I live in upstate New York, in Whitesboro, New York. I live with uh, my wife, Sherry. I have two grown sons. Um, Dan and Matt, um, Dan who lives in Oswego, New York and Matt who lives in Colorado. Um, I have a daughter who, and which will probably be the subject of our, our show who Janine, who transitioned, um, on March 1st, 2003 at the age of 18 of a velar rhabdomyosarcoma, a very rare and aggressive and incurable connective muscle tissue cancer. She transitioned 10 months after giving birth to her first child and my first granddaughter, my oh, first wow. granddaughter, Brianna, who is now 20 years old and has gifted me with a great grandchild. So that's, that's another category of my life. Before the field of death and dying actually found me, and it did after my daughter Janine's transition or passing, however you, choose, you and your listeners choose to conceptualize death, um, I worked for 27 years as an addictions counselor and a clinical supervisor at a state-run agency in upstate New York, in Utica, New York. Um, 
I am an adjunct professor of psychology and psych child life at Utica University. I've been there since 2003. Um, I teach one or two psychology courses a semester and regularly two sections of death, dying, and bereavement where uh, my students know my history with, with loss. I'm an author. Um, I, recently, I recently, with the Reverend Patty Farino, published a book on Amazon called When a Psychology Professor Met the Minister. It was published on March 1st, 2021. And March 1st was the day of my daughter's passing or transition. And we wanted the rollout for the book to be on that day specifically. The book is essentially about a spiritually transformative experience that Reverend Farino um, orchestrated with me, for lack of a better term, or guided me through um, seven years after my daughter's Janine's transition that helped me find peace after my daughter's passing, helped me realize that the spirit is well alive, that our consciousness survives after death, and that we can transform the relationship by creating yeah. continuing bonds. Our subsequent conversations over the, and we are still having those over 12 years, helped me realize that we can integrate psychology and spirituality together to help individuals and transcend loss. So, and and also the book is, there's a message for the younger generation about the importance of critical thinking. So that's been my most recent, recent accomplishment. And we've gotten great reviews about the book. Um, And I met Reverend Patty through pure synchronicity, through events that would defy any type of rational explanation. But, you know, it's like, you know it to be true, even though there's no scientific evidence <laughs> to support how we met. It's just, it's just a series of synchronous, synchronous events that brought us together at the time we were supposed to come together. And I've been a workshop presenter. I've done uh, keynote speech, speeches nationally. I've done workshops nationally and locally. Um, my passion today is teaching, um, working with young adults, helping them find their voice. I consider my students to be an extension of my own family. And the Utica University, the students, the staff, and the faculty, they gave me the energy to move on, especially in early grief when I could not move by myself. And I I have a deep, deep and abiding love for that community, for my students, and their efforts in terms of bringing me literally back to life have, have helped me commit to service to try to help other individuals who have trans, who have who have had loss transcend that. And it doesn't have to be the death of a child. It can be any, I work with whatever the person's worst loss happens to be. Right. And that's where I meet them where they're at. And I, I, and hopefully I can give them a perspective that will give them hope and will allow them to move through grief. You know, Dave, you know, first of all, congratulations um, on uh, being an author. I mean, I, I know, I believe that that's one heck of a journey that takes a lot of effort, focus, and commitment. You know, so again, I salute you for that. And, and thank you for the w- wonderful, um, uh, you know, brief insight into your life. So, and let's just jump right into the topic. Um, the one thing, listening to you and, and getting to know you over the last few months that you've even helped me with is no, for me, it, no one prepares you for after the loss, right? After the, the death of a child or a friend or in the military and I was in the Marines or, or the death of a, a brother or sister in arms. But listening to you, 
how, you know, what are the skills and, and how do you find joy after not maybe one loss, two loss, or even one loss could be very detrimental, you know, very devastating. So, so talk to us about how did, how, what was your journey like and how did you start to develop skills where now we're looking at Dave Roberts at, what are you, 32, Dave? Yeah, thirty-two. Very good. You you can you can have me back on again, Mario, for that for that very <laughs> that very uh, very flattering estimate of my age. But if 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 you you know talk to us about that journey, man. It was a journey unlike anything that I've ever taken in my life. Yeah. Um, parenting books, books on child rearing—they don't even begin to prepare you for what life is like after you experience the death of a child. I was a therapist. I had been a therapist. I was a therapist when Janine got sick. I was a therapist when she, she passed, passed away. She, when she transitioned. Um, and, and I thought I was very good at helping individuals negotiate their own traumas related to addiction or, you know, trauma that contributed directly to addiction. But I'll tell you, I didn't have a clue in terms of all my training, all my education. I also have a master's in social work degree. Wow. None of that. None of that. So you were, you were, that was your profession. Yeah. And, and, and if anybody had said to me, geez, you're a therapist, you should, this should help prepare you to deal with the unthinkable. I would have looked at him and said, walk in my shoes for a day and then we'll have another conversation mm -hmm. because yeah. I was, I read a book a long time ago by Tom Kreider and I forget the title, but it was like, he said something in there. He had, his daughter had died, I believe in a fire in an apartment fire. And he had said something. He felt like a beggar in winter. I think it was crawling through a, through a box. I'm paraphrasing this, finding a coat that would fit. And for me, the loss of the death of my daughter threw me into a world that was foreign. That was terrifying that I was, if I, I looked in the mirror, Mario, I didn't recognize that person looking back at me. That's how drastic my life had changed. Wow. I felt disconnected from myself. I felt disconnected from the world around me. I felt sad. I felt lost. I felt angry mm -hmm. because I thought I should have done more to prevent my daughter from getting sick. Because as a father, one of the things is that we pride ourselves on is taking care of our families protecting our children and our spouses from any danger. And for three, three years, two and at least two and a half to three years, I beat myself up because and, I, I couldn't do that. And that's what I was going to ask you. Did you ever go through a phase, man, when Dave, you know, you, you just blamed yourself. Like where, where did I fail? Where, how did I not see something or what mm -hmm. did you go through that? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. the year that before Janine got sick, when she was pregnant, the tumor was located in her right foot and we thought it was complications from pregnancy. Her foot can swelled really, really a lot. And right. we thought it was edema from the pregnancy. We didn't even think of cancer. Mario. It was the last thing in our, in our minds. Wow. And, and particularly sarcoma types of cancer, which in this area is something that they had not seen. Um, and so if eventually after, after Brianna was born, she got an MRI of her foot. They found an undefined eight centimeter mass in the bottom of her foot. It turned out to be a malignant tumor that had metastasized. She had stage four cancer. 
um, with bone marrow lymph node involvement. And what we were told by the oncologist is that short of a miracle, and I'm paraphrasing this, short of a miracle, where there, because there was no cure for her disease, there was no cure for a type of cancer. The only hope that we had was her cancer going into total remission until they could find a cure. And it never went to total remission. It went 80% remission. And then it re-metastasized. She decided at 18, she goes, I'm done with treatment. So we called in hospice services and she transitioned at home. And um, so, I mean, look, going through all of this, going through, you know, I went from the joy of being a grandfather. I had also recently um, graduated with my MSW degree. You want to talk about life turning on a dime in the range of emotions? I went from joy to the satisfaction of accomplishment to, to now being terrified, knowing that the, my only daughter, whom I loved with all of my heart, yeah. was, was not going to be a part of my life. And wow. so you want to talk about, and so, yeah, I, I did a lot of blaming of myself. I was angry. I was sad. I was angry because I was focused on focus on school and and not being able to, to, to see what was going on sooner. I blame myself. But in early grief, in, some, in looking back on that, that anger kind of gave me some energy to get through a lot of different moments. That anger also in some way kept me connected to her memory. I didn't forget her because I was angry that I let her down, that I right. thought I let her down. Yeah. Um, but with work, with the help of my bereavement, support group facilitator, Sister Rose Troy, um, she helped me realize that I couldn't have done anything else because I told her, and this is something that I told her, I said, I'm angry at God because he took the, the person I loved away from me. And so she looked at me, she goes, what if God is just as upset as you are? And that stopped me right in my tracks. Wow. I said, I had to think about that. And so I said, let me look at this from that perspective. That what if God was as, as upset as I was, as I have been for my daughter's transition? And I started thinking about it. I said, you know, and even though I had trouble kind of making sense of all of this, I said, I think he is showing me that that type of compassion, because I think I can kind of sense that I was getting some signs of my daughter's presence. Right. And in retrospect, I still didn't, I still couldn't make sense out of where science fit into my science-based background at that time. <laughs> and, um, and, could, here you, and here you are with a science-based yeah. as the professional. Yeah. And that's just and amazing it, how grief can, you know, things could do that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, and she helped me get through that. She helped me realize that I did the best I could given the set of cards, the hand of cards I was telling. Yeah. And that one statement caused me to shift my perspective in terms of what if God was just as upset as you were looking at it from that perspective, mm. I was able, my anger was able to kind of just dissipate, became more manageable. And I honestly began to realize that God or the universe was becoming an ally in my grief journey, as opposed to somebody who had just randomly taken a, a daughter that I loved you know, with all of my heart, my only daughter. And I got two beautiful, two great sons. But, you know, it was like, that was, you know, she was my only daughter and it was, it would hurt. It hurt. We had a close bond. Yeah. And you mentioned too, Dave, that uh, you were also a, a, a new grandfather. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so I believe that that was your daughter's child. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, 25 years old. I was a new granddaughter or new grandfather, you know, at 25. Man, wow. So here it is now, your new grandfather. You, you know, you're having some success in the academic pathway. And then all you know, you, you lose your lose your your yeah. only daughter. And, and and oh, by the way, you know, she can't even raise her own child if if I'm yeah. hearing it right. Mm -hmm. She she did the best she could. Yeah. Um, she bonded one because there was a point where the chemo. And I look at this as a gift from the universe, a gift from God, you know, whatever you believe. Yeah. Um, that she had, she had some energy. The chemo was, was effective enough for her to, to help have her spend some time with her, with her, her daughter, spend some time with her significant other. By the way, they all lived with us. Um, her significant other, Brianna, Janine, my two sons, or my one son, Matt, Three cats and me and my wife, we were all on just a, a single level ranch living together because uh, her significant other was going to school at the time. Right. He, he was working and he, we had offered them to come in and live with us until, you know, until whatever was going to happen next, which we were hoping was a cure, obviously. Yeah. Um, and he finally, he finally said, yeah, because I, I, I can't do all of this myself. And I said, I don't blame him. And he was 19 at the time. And had a, a tremendous, really a mature sense of responsibility. And he was with her and lived with us for four years with Brianna after after Janine transitioned. So that tells you what kind of a kind of a young man he is, and, and right. he still is. And um, so yeah, it, it was uh, like I said, quite the journey. And it, you know, so so now you have this turning point. And and what a powerful question, by the way. I'm I, I'm going to use that. You know, Mario. What is what if God is just as stressed out as you are? Mm -hmm. You know, what if what if God is just as upset? What a powerful question. Yeah. And and so as you hit this kind of turning point where now you're thinking, you're thinking through things and now you start to take that energy and that anger. Talk to me about where did you, where did you start to put all of that that effort and energy towards? I started to put it towards writing. I, I had an opportunity to write some articles for a couple of magazines. I put my energy into bereavement support, trying to help other individuals who had experienced loss, try to share what I had learned up until that point to try to provide some camaraderie, to mm. try to provide some, some universality so that they knew that they weren't alone. And one of the other turning points for me was walking into Sister Rose Troy's bereavement support group and seeing 18 other parents who had experienced the unthinkable. And at that point, I mean, I, I mean, it, I just felt totally isolated for a lot of different reasons. And when I walked in there, I didn't feel isolated anymore. There were parents that were at different stages of grief, stage phases of grief. They were five, six, seven years along. And I was able to learn from what, from what they did to help them get to that point. So I was able to incorporate that along with other perspectives and pass that on to other individuals who wow, were. So here, and here, here you are thinking, man, I'm isolated. You know, there's no one that you know of that's going through this. And then you go into this, you know, uh, this, uh, you know, grief support organ, you know, mm -hmm. and there, there's a lot of people not yeah. exactly in your same situation, but still similar. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, with your experience and, and what you went through and then some of the, the amazing people I believe you had a chance to interact with, what would you say 
is the number one thing or a thing you saw with people who didn't know they were grieving? A lot of times, and this is what I saw was them, them almost buying into society's expectations about how grief should be. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And essentially, many in Western society, we're, we're getting more comfortable talking about death, but that isn't a topic, Mario, that is routine dinner conversation. You can go into Eastern cultures and they understand that death is a part of life. So they're going to use that knowledge to try to live a meaningful life, you know, in the moment. And, right. and, and they're going to use that to try to, to live their best life, um, you know, in, in this incarnation of themselves. Because as you know, many religions and cultures believe in an afterlife. They believe in, in, in reincarnation. And I believe in, in afterlife and reincarnation. I believe in all of that now. You know, I didn't before you know, 19, but, but believe me, you know, the, my perspectives had to change. I had to, to take a look at everything that I, I believed, everything that I stood for. And I said, what goes, what gets modified, what gets added. Um, and that's where Patty was a great help to me. She, she gave me, I, she exposed me to different types of spiritual perspectives that, that got my scientific mind very curious about how how I could how I could add those beliefs into my system into my core beliefs, and so that and and that's the other thing I think that individuals struggled with is that if I if I add different perspectives, do I have to abandon my core beliefs? No, grief isn't about that. Grief is about expanding your beliefs, changing your perspectives so that you can work through grief, transform the relationship with your loved ones. And accept that you're living in a world where your loved one isn't physically present, but where you can still create a continued bond with, with the essence of who they are and carry that with you for the rest of your life. Um, but the other part, and I kind of jumped around a little bit. Oh, no worries. This is, no, Dave, please. Okay, I jumped. But getting back to that, it's like I've had individuals literally have come up to me and said, somebody came up to me at six and I've been six months after my son or daughter's death or passing or transition, uh, however, they choose to conceptualize the, their last moment of physical life and said, well, you know, it's, it's six months and you're still crying. Don't you think you ought to stop? Or it's been a year. Don't you think you ought to stop grieving? And this comes into society's perception that grief is many, that grief is time limited, that we start at day one and we end at 12 months and then we move on with our lives as if right. nothing has changed. Right. As if we just, but no, I mean, any loss that we experience changes the landscape of our life, changes who we are, right. change, causes us to reevaluate our priorities. It could be a pet loss. It could be the loss of a child. It could be the loss of a spouse. It could be, you know, um, you know, it could be anything that, that shifts our perspective. Okay. Here's another thing that I wanted to share with you as far as perspective shifts. This is what Patty taught me. So this is one of the things that was profoundly, was just so profound to me. At the moment that my daughter passed, she passed at 1230 on March 1st. I was laying in bed trying to get some sleep. And I knew she was in the active phase of dying. And I remember this because my sister-in-law came in and we had everybody here. It was like, I mean, it was like Woodstock. We had people laying on the floors. Right. It was just, it, we had the hospital bed in the living room. 
So my, my sister-in-law, Diane, comes in and says, Dave, you better get up. It's time. So I remember, and I think it was my wife, Sherry, who was holding Janine's hand. And I held Janine's hand, and she took two rapid breaths, and then she passed. And I always tell Patty, I said, you know, I was the last one to see her alive. And she goes, well, what if you looked at this differently? So she did a very similar piece to Sister Rose, but with a different setting. What if you were the first person to introduce her to her new existence? What if you were the person that facilitated that transition from her physical life, this life, into eternal life? And I looked at that and I said, and I'm getting a chill just talking about this. Mm -hmm. I looked at that and I said, why did you know? I said, wow. And when I, and then, and I still remember after 19 plus years, the last day of her life, I can give you every detail of the last day of her life. But now when I look at her moment of, I don't look at it as a, I look at it as a moment now of transition where she transitioned into a new life into wow. eternal life where there was, she was pain-free where her spirit was free to roam. And that, that, that was the one thing that one of the many things that Patty taught me, and we talked about that in the book as well, too. So that that also that also helped me shift my perspective. But a lot of times, wow. individuals will buy into, well, this is how you have to grieve. And there's no right or wrong way to grieve. You can grieve. You can do a faith-based approach. You can do a spiritual approach. You can do a non-dogmatic approach. As long as it works for you, who am I to say which way to grieve is better? And it's not time-limited. What we look at is progress. How are you moving from the raw pain of grief to a point where you're accepting that you can live in a world without the physical presence of your loved one? Now, acceptance, Mario, does not mean that you don't yearn or grieve for the physical presence of your loved one. It's been right. 19 years, and there are days that I want Janine here physically. You know, there are days that I yearn for that. But I realize that that's going to be part of my experience of life. I, I've learned that I can be fulfilled with happy moments, that I can also learn from the sad moments, from the moments of yearning, from the moments where I truly miss her, that they all have something to teach me. And that's a part of life, is when we can experience the total spectrum of emotions and learn from that, be affected by it, and yeah. help others in the process as a result of that. And that's but, the other thing is that the people here, well, I got to be happy. Well, no, you don't. I mean, do you know anybody that's happy 24 seven? I really don't. I'll tell you they are, but hell, they ain't happy. You know, um, they're not. I mean, but it's just something that, yeah. well, society says I'm supposed to be happy. Well, no, you can be sad. Right. There are gifts in the sad. Some of the saddest people I know are the most compassionate souls I know. Yeah. You can be angry as long as your anger isn't destructive. That right, anger, like, right. Give you energy to get through another another moment. You, you so know, embrace, embrace it all. Embrace and, and, it all for what it can teach you. And, and I love Dave, how, how you, um, how you mentioned how you made a choice. You actually changed the way you thought about what was happening with your daughter and what happened yep. um, and how that, that decision to choose the way you thought about the situation improved the outcome of not her coming back, but through, you know, the outcome of what could have happened to you mm -hmm. after her, her transition and yeah. passing. Yeah. And, and, and which is, you know, cause that's on our talk. It's about developing a, a accurate way of thinking yeah. uh, to change, you know, potentially improve the outcome. Looking back, 
um, Dave, looking back, just taking a look back and, and, and going through that journey where you were angry and you had some other emotions, you gained a better understanding of grieving. You weren't isolated um, when you went, to, you know, you went to the, the meeting and saw 18 other parents kind of in similar situations. Looking back, if what is one thing, if you had to pick one thing that that you learned about yourself, um, and, 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 you know, what would that be that you really learned about yourself and now it's made you a better, you know, fa- grandfather, husband, person, professional? What, what would that one thing be if mm. you had to pick one? That's tough because I'm going through... <laughs> I'm going through the register of my mind trying to pick one. So um, one one of the things that I've learned is that the past can orchestrates our present. And, you know, you hear a lot of individuals talk about living the present, living the moment. I believe, Mario, that is important. Mindfulness, there's a place for mindfulness. But think about how you got to your present. It was everything we did in our past that orchestrated our, our, our present. Every, I, and that's one of the things that I learned is that once I began to, to understand from a, a not so much a human law perspective, but a sacred law perspective that I can maintain a relationship with my daughter's spirit, right. I started looking at everything else that I had attached um, a, a human label on and started saying, how can I look at this from a sacred perspective? So what happened with my daughter and the work I did as a result of the challenges with my daughter's passing or transition was to look at everything else that that had happened to me, and particularly as it related to the relationship with my father and my mother. Uh, My father had left when I was five years old, left me as an only child um, for my mother to raise me. My mother was very overprotective. And she basically, um, you know, she, she just, you know, she really kept a tight rein on me. And I was, I was resentful of that for a long time. I was resentful of my father for, for abandoning us. Right. I was resentful of my mother for, you know, keeping me on a short leash and not allowing me to explore. But as I began with Patty's guidance to do some work and also engage other spiritual teachers, I realized that. My father came from a family background, and I believe, Mario, that our DNA, our our family history is inextricably woven into our DNA. But we can change that as we have the power and can be empowered to change our perspective on on grief. We can do that. Grief requires that we wallow in the muck of our sadness and experience that, but then eventually we got to wallow through it or else, you know, if there's no movement, then you're looking at you know, profound depression, profound and incapacity to be able to engage in life and a, and a disruption in daily functioning. But as long as there's movement, it doesn't matter how long it takes, as long as there is movement to that point. And that's what I want individuals. Time is relative. Just look at baby steps, look at the progress that you're making from day to day. Absolutely. If, no, if you da- take, yeah. no, go ahead, Dave. So here's what happened. I, 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 through pure serendipity or synchronicity, again, I, a first cousin on my father's side found me. And um, my father's originally from Baltimore. And she gave me the whole cue on our family history. And everybody in the family, there was a history of alcoholism. There was a history of mental illness. 
there was a history of, of men in that family that had, could not give emotional attachment. Mm. That if they were asked to give emotional attachment, they would just leave. My father could not change his history. He tried. I think he truly loved me and, and my mother, but he just couldn't do it. And he left not because he did not love, love me or my mother. He left because he did, because he realized that he was just going to drag us down. And I began to understand my mother's, my mother's decision through honestly a session that I had with a shamanistic holistic practitioner that cued me into a past life experience where I, as a four-year-old, this is my interpretation of this, I had died as a four-year-old and my mother wasn't there to protect me. So somehow our souls made a contract in this life that we were going to do it again as mother and, and, and son, and she was going to protect me at all costs, regardless of if it angered me. But she was not going to let me go again. She was that, that was her contract with me was to protect me. Once I began to understand my father's actions and my mother's actions from a sacred rather than a human perspective, then it changed everything. And right. I began... And I began to realize that I worked with maybe that, you know, working with individuals with addiction, if there was a history of addiction in my family, which there was, and I didn't know this until I was in my late fifties, maybe 60, realizing this is why I was drawn to this population because of the history yeah. that was a part of me, was a part of my DNA. And, um, and then I began to, with Patty's encouragement to embrace other perspectives um, you know, particularly Native American teachings of animals in nature in terms of right. what animals have to teach us. And what I described was honor the past as your teacher, the present is your creation, the future is your inspiration. No, that's I, Jamie yeah. Sam's Carl Medicine. That's that's yeah. Carl Medicine. Yeah, no, yeah. that's and that's intriguing how you know how you, you know, when I ask you to self-reflect and essentially you know, you brought up how your history, his, you know, your experiences and memories created in your life really, really uh, played a critical role yep. in, in the way you, you processed and, and handled grief uh, when, it, when it happened to you. And this is just amazing. I truly appreciate it, Dave. And, you know, you know as we get ready to, you, you know, to, to, as I get ready to take some of the things you said and implement it into my own life, and hopefully listeners and viewers do the same, if you had to give any last remarks to, to the listeners and viewers, um, what would you tell them? First of all, be true to yourself in any journey after tragedy. Do what you're comfortable with. Honor what you believe, hmm. but also incorporate other perspectives in addition to what you already believe. I tell individuals, I suggest, tell individuals incorporating new perspectives doesn't mean you abandon your core beliefs it's in it as patty also taught me it's in addition to not instead of yeah in order for us to 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 develop a perspective that's going to help us find peace and be able to to manage our grief for the rest of our lives we need to be able to to embrace belief expansion and follow our own truth follow around and be gentle to yourselves in the process. Yeah. I think, and, aren't we rough on ourselves? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm the worst, I'm my own worst critic. I'm my right. own worst critic with anything. And we are rough around ourselves yeah. and we should be. Yeah, and, we, and a lot of times we think we may not deserve to be loved, but man, we were born with love. That's absolutely. how we were born. We were yeah, born absolutely. with love, innocence, and look at, look at a child, newborn child. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for listening to another episode with, with Mario P. Fields, your host, and Dave and Roberts. Um, I truly appreciate you, Dave, taking time out of your schedule to come on the show and, and share an amazing journey with, with, I believe, very thoughtful skills that I'm going to use and hopefully um, the listeners and viewers use. And hopefully they don't have to go through it, but we know how life is. Mm -hmm. um, um, things happen. But God bless you, my friend. On March 1st of every year, the Fields family will, will pause um, to honor the transition of your lovely daughter. And please tell your two wonderful sons we said hello. I will certainly do that. Give my best to your family, too. As, uh, well, as, as well. And not last but not least, your lovely bride. That We know that. We, we know that's the commander of the house. <laughs> uh, yeah, she reminds me of that occasionally, too, that who, who's driving the bus, and it's her. And I, once I began to realize that marriage was easy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. God bless you. Be safe out there. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, another episode that uh, was amazing. Don't forget, if you want to learn more about what I'm doing when it comes to minerals and vitamins and the holistic approach to good health email me at host at unarmoredtalk.com to learn more or you can visit the sponsor's website at takechargeyourhealth.usana.com again robert and miriam norris wonderful people and they are doing great things to help us feel healthier we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks be safe